When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post-Credit Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. Today, I am joined by my buddy, my brother, Brandon Cast, who you could find analyzing analytics over at Parrot. <laughs> he still gets a laugh out of him every time. He'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> uh, over at ParrotAnalytics.com. It is our second podcast of the year. Unfortunately, no interviews for you today. It's a little bit of the, uh, what's the word? Uh, dumpuary? When they just release all the shit movies movies that nobody really cares about so i don't have really anything cooking there i haven't seen anything in theaters b what's the last thing you've seen it seen in theaters i haven't seen a movie in theaters in 2024 yet which is which is sad but the last one i probably saw was either the iron claw or godzilla minus one mm, godzilla i've got to see that yeah, it was good um visual effects nomination with, with the budget of 15 million that's so impressive yeah for real creator got one too 70 mil, right? 80 mil? Something like that, yeah. Um, I will was- have an interview coming with uh, Argyle and Kingsman director Matthew Vaughn uh, maybe next week or in the coming weeks. Uh, that's still in the works. That movie has turned into a meme in, in and of itself, given it's like nonstop trail. Like there's been one trailer that's just been playing on a loop for about six months now. Um, <laughs> I like Matthew Vaughn shit, so I'm hoping that this is good. I haven't heard anything about it really. But I'd say Argyle is probably the first big release of the year so far, right? Yeah, so I would say so. Um, I'm really counting Beekeeper. I mean, Beekeeper was a wide release, but Beekeeper, I yeah. think Argyle probably has a little bit more hopeful penetration behind it. Yeah. I, I don't personally think it looks very good, but hey, I hope it is. And I hope it does well because the industry needs it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So, I mean, and then we've got Dune two in about six weeks right so that's that, coming honestly. down down the pipeline we talked about it last week mickey 17 no longer coming out in march no longer on the schedule at all in fact you texted me saying that you don't know when they're gonna release it at all based on their i was just looking at the 2024 release schedule and then comparing that with like so competition from other studios and then the runway they want for their own movies at warner brothers and i just don't necessarily see a seamless slot for it to kind of go in 
if they don't mind maybe cannibalizing like Lord of the Rings or Hiram or in December or or, or reaching it, you know, releasing it late November, but there's a lot of competition then, you know, I think I, I pointed out like January, like February, April, and I think one more month were particularly light in my opinion. And like that first Q1 is basically off the board because you need a few months of, of marketing. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with it's it. It's very strange because the first teaser trailer for that came out in late 2022 yeah and they like shot their shot they were like it's coming out in march bong Ho is back and now it's like not only has it been delayed but we just haven't heard anything about it at all i mean like you know new bong is is you know that's that's a big deal not only with the prestige but people forget a parasite on a very manageable budget made like 265 million 266 wow. million worldwide so it was you know a, a nice commercial hit that then enjoyed a nice streaming bump from all the critical uh critical praise so you know this is a big follow-up so yeah i mean until we get a release date i'm probably just gonna bitch and moan about this every week from here on out <laughs> i'm gonna eventually read the book that it's based on that you recommend it yeah it's good it's good it's a breezy read i think it's less than like 300 pages yeah. and then there's a sequel on on my shelf and i've told you this before the like thematics as soon as you read it you're like oh this is a bong Joon ho story love that uh, love everything yeah. about that and it's like sci-fi as hell so that's great all right uh no big movie releases so far though we do have the oscar nominations uh oppenheimer cleaned up with 13 one short of the all-time record of 14 of course there's been all sorts of discord what big you Who had 14 perplexed there's been a few titanic is one of them um let me google it uh so, so many oscar nominations there's been uh you know the discourse around barbie which has reached all the way up to fucking hillary clinton who's just like <laughs> it's just like I, I have a difficult time thinking of like a worse way for the discourse to like reach its ultimate point oh. than that just just what a Listen, I'm someone who's like, yeah, I think Greta absolutely should have been nominated for, for Best Director. I very much believe that. But the fact that we have, like, major politicians weighing in on, on what a perceived tragedy is, like, guys, what what is with our cultural outrage? Can, can we, A, save it for things that are actually, you know, hurting people's lives, and B, also celebrate that this was a really good year for female uh, filmmakers? We do have a lot of, I think, three Best Picture nominees from, from, uh, from either female filmmakers or, or female filmmakers and producers. I can't remember. Exactly. I think, well, you got Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, Past Lives. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Is that? I think that was it. But so, you know, it, it was a good year. I'm not saying that we don't still have a lot of progress, but I guess I don't know why this topic is reaching like the upper echelons of, of society or, or the echo echoing in the halls of power. Like, like you're saying, it's just guys, come on. I, because it's like a, uh, it's basically like straw man feminism, but that's a completely different podcast than, uh, than this one. I will just say, I looked it up real quick. Most Oscar, Oscar nominations of all time at 14, uh, Titanic, La La Land and All About Eve. Uh, I don't even know what All About Eve is. I don't either. I probably know the other two. Uh, so what else? stands out to you from the oscar nominations i think my biggest disappointment is the general lack of respect for the iron claw i yeah, zero noms well and so you might be able to shed some light on this better than i is it a result of it coming out so late in the year like that feels like an oscar kind of no-brainer and it's very weird to me that it's completely shut out I i'm honestly not really sure it's a really good question i'm not someone who thought zach afron deserved a nomination though i think this is a career best performance for him and i think he did quite well in this i definitely it's in my top 10 for sure uh, for 2023 so 
I, if I had a vote, I would have uh, voted for it. I, I, I don't know. You know, A24 is damn good at, uh, you know, marketing and everything. But I think they probably put their weight behind uh, some other films to try to see if they could get those in. So I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I believe Past Lives is... is Past Lives is there. There's... And, yeah, and the CJ uh, CJ ENM is the one who like produced it with them. Is uh, Zone of Interest is either I think that's them as well. No, I, be- I believe I had so Zone of Interest and Poor Things are the two Best Picture nominees I still haven't seen. Unfortunately, mm. I watched Anatomy of Fall this week. Oh yeah, uh, so, so I'm not, I'm not sure actually. So, but I I think it sounds like it's right. So I'm guessing perhaps they put their muscle behind different ones because you know campaigning is expensive. Remember, Netflix was uh, re- reportedly spent $100 million on one campaign, though they denied that. But wow. so, so the truth is probably maybe like, what, $75 million? Still a lot. Yeah. So A24 can't necessarily throw out like a, a campaign for each and every movie, even though I think Iron Claw was damn good. Uh, I think one thing, which is a little bit more of a, a you know a mainstream take, but I think Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse absolutely should have been a Best Picture nominee in addition to uh, Best Animated. We saw Up and we saw Toy Story 3 get nominations for Best Picture. So we know there is a precedent for animated films getting and in there's there. there's a third one as well. Is there? Yes. I You you keep going. I'll look that up. So yeah, not only do I think it was just you know critically worth it, but also as many people have made this point, the Oscars want to attract as many viewers as possible given the decline in cultural relevancy over the last 10 years. One way to do that is to continue nominating uh, a popular best picture, you know, films for best picture. I mean, Spider-Verse made 690 million or something so worldwide. And also, if you look at the best picture nominees, Barbie and Oppenheimer combined for 88% of the domestic box office for all 10 films. So it's not like it's an even distribution, even though those two films are very popular. So I feel as if it was deserved and it would have been another kind of marquee heavyweight mainstream title to throw in there. Maybe snare some uh, some younger viewers for the Oscars too. Well, with that. that, So that's kind of my whole thing real quick. The third animated, the three animated films to be nominated for best picture are Toy Story 3 in 2010, Up in 2009, just goes to show you where Pixar was, and Beauty and the Beast, 1991, yeah. So Beauty and the Beast got one, but Lion King didn't a couple years later. Yeah. Oh, that was a stacked year, though. I'll give, I'll give them credit. And then, you know, I think that the best actress race is interesting, um, just because Lil- Lily Gladstone has been running as the favorite for, what, four or five months now. Emma Stone has picked up a couple awards along the way, in the last few weeks. So I feel like that's probably a closer race than some people would have predicted. Four things is like, four things to me, I feel like I don't want to call it a sleeper because it's got best director and best picture and best actress and best supporting actor. But I do think it's a sleeper for the sake of like, this might be Yorgos's most populist film, even though it's incredibly bizarre, right? I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I've not seen it, but this is based on a text that I got from my dad who was like, Four things, funny. So like the fact that like it's reaching like sixty-five year old men. Suggests... Papa Italiano with with the epic succinct review. Get this man on Letterbox. <laughs> so, yeah. Like a sixty-five year old man is the Academy base. You know what I mean. So that makes me wonder if maybe Emma Stone is going to sneak up. Um, other than that, Oppenheimer cleaning up is going to be awesome. Very funny that Nolan's first ever non-Warner Bros. film is going to just absolutely clean up. I mean, usually the favorite doesn't win Best Picture, 
but I gotta believe this year it's going to. It's it's ultimately between this holdovers and Barbie. Those are the three, you know, heavyweights I think, or the the, lead, the leading contenders in terms of like the odds and makes sense. But I I just. Oppenheimer was such an achievement. I don't know how, you know, because, and, and this feels like, I can't even remember, uh, the only year that I remember a favorite is the Parasite year when 1917 was locked in. And then yeah. what was the favorite the year Coda won? Uh, I think um, Power of the Dog. For, Power uh, of the Dog, right. And then last year was, um, what won Best Picture last year? See, this every, is- Everywhere All at Once, which- That I was think, only last year? Yeah, and I think once it got there- it was kind of the favorite, but I remember I walked out of that screening a year earlier. I'm like, I don't think this film will even be nominated. It's way too weird. And I'm, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, this isn't the Academy taste. And I'm so glad that I was proven so wrong. But yeah, what was the other, other one? Oh, let me look that shit up. Because I believe it was like either everything everywhere at once, which was more or less a favorite by the time the Oscars arrived. Elvis? So didn't start it. Oh, all quiet. All, all quiet made a late a late uh, festival, a late awards circuit push, and everyone was like, "Oh, whoa, maybe we'll get another non English film winning." I remember that. Tar, Elvis. I didn't Triangle like Triangle of Sadness, Banshees of. In a Sharon, Women Talking, Fablemans, Top Gun, Maverick, Avatar, The Way of the Water. By the way, Definitely not that one. I'll tell you that. Speaking of Banshees of Ear in Sharon, because we're we're gonna just quickly have a a, a side side thing. Um, me and my brother were talking about the live action Invincible movie, which is probably never gonna actually happen. <laughs> and we were like, at this point, like J.K. Simmons obviously could have done it, but now I think he's he's a little too old to play Omni Man. But probably you know 10, 10 15 years ago he could have. Uh, some people online have said John Hamm would be good. I think that's great as well. That would be perfect. But my brother threw out a couple uh, suggestions. Starting with, he's like, Colin Farrell can be charming and heroic, but also menacing and intense. He's like, Robert Downey Jr., Bradley Cooper, and Christian Bale would be interesting choices. My left field choice would be Adam Driver. And I was like, dude, these are all really, really good suggestions that I think would would do interesting takes on the character. So again, that's, that's a complete irrelevant tangent, and I don't think the movie will ever happen. But, uh, you know. It was fun. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into our next topic, and that is the Invincible Season 2 Part 2 release date was announced as March 14th. You've loved this show. You've read the comics. I enjoy it. I'll let a few build up, and then I'll watch them. I don't go nuts for it. You and the fandom seem to have some strong feelings about the way that Season 2 has been rolled out. It's just tough. Now, Season 1 finished back in 2021, and about 32 months went by. 32 months until season two even premiered uh i understand that animation takes a long time i really do i also understand that production logistics have been disrupted and although um although the the writers and and directors strike uh obviously i mean the writers and everybody strike d- disrupted everything for for all production you would have thought that they would still have a little bit more banked so 32 months in between with very little updates on like when we can expect it. So that's already a massive gap. And then you lose a lot of momentum with big gaps like that, particularly for adult animation, which has a ceiling of viewership, particularly in the U.S. And then it's only an eight episode season. They released the first four episodes in November. Then we're like, yeah, we'll come back sometime in 2024, which is insane to, I think, break such a short season up. Then we had to wait several months for them to even obviously tell us when it's going to be released. And now they're telling us it won't be until March. So, you know, uh, four months will have passed in between 
the first four episodes of season one, uh, season two, and the second four. And I just think that's that's a bit absurd. And I think uh, we, we've already on our side seen a lot of momentum, uh, a lot of audience demand decrease since the uh, mid-season hiatus. And it's just hard to gain back that that viewership and that interest. So I, I've been very frustrated as, as a fan, and I don't really get it from a strategic standpoint. Again, I understand and respect that there are production hiccups, as was mentioned very vaguely by Amazon as to why they're breaking it up, but no real, like, actual tangible explanation has been given. So it's just a bizarre situation all around and very frustrating. Another thing that you can speak to more than I can... Uh, yeah, another thing that you can speak to more than I can is the first Avatar The Last Airbender... Trailer. That is one of your one of your shows, right? I feel like you you, yeah, you still haven't watched it. Nah, and I don't think it's gonna happen. Oh, man, dude, you should start with season two, and and it's just so good. Maybe, yeah, yeah. But go ahead. So, how did the trailer look to you? Live up, excited, decided? What? what uh... It was a lot better than the teaser from a few months ago. I don't, I don't know, man. These these kid actors. I'm, I'm just, I'm just not, not quite sure. You know, it looks like it could just veer off into cheesy and corny, which isn't always really their fault. I mean, at the end of the day, inherently, it is a kid show about so a for... about a little kid who flies around on a cloud. Yeah, like. In the final cloud, right? He flies around both with his airbending skills and on Appa, who is a flying bison. Okay, you're first right of all. That. And I've always wanted to open a restaurant called Appa's Tapas <laughs> because of it. <laughs> I've literally been making that dumb joke since college. Uh, but long story short, like I, I just, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm hopeful, but very much not expecting anything. Yeah, I mean, the, these type of shows have been huge, like, huge hits for them in the past year or so, right? These sort of anime... One Piece crushed for them. You yeah, One Piece. Show, which is in Japanese, did did well for them for a foreign dude, time. Th- dude, that was... See, I just... This is my problem. I am not a anime guy. Yu Yu Hakusho was, like, an a- anime show that I watched on tsunami as a kid yeah, before i even realized what anime was i just thought it was like a cartoon i was like why is it in japanese you know what i mean but um i love that shit and i tried to watch the new like the live action oh that's a steep learning curve like whatever the learning curve is for getting into anime i don't know if i'm ever gonna be able to get over it i mean my favorite anime of all time which is not considered like one of one of the uh you know like pillar ones is Rurouni Kenshin. And I I mean, I highly recommend you you do that. That's the most cinematic mm. anime in my experience. And then like, you know, of course I love Dragon Ball Z and I watched Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and, you know, all that stuff. And what else we got here? Uh, Roadhouse trailer dropped this week. Looked be- better than I thought it was. There's the whole, what? I just think it looks like dog shit. Really? You do? <laughs> Being so negative, but, uh, well, you know. you know that I grade Jake Gyllenhaal on a curve so for sure i just i i was talking about it with co-workers today and i used your expression he's in his fuck it i'll do it phase of his career and i just wish he would do better projects although i, I really enjoyed the covenant uh from last year i thought that was really underrated but man i i don't know this this wasn't doing it for me and i conor mcgregor such a bad dude in real life that it's just hard for me he's also didn't look like he was a very good actor even though he's playing himself basically yeah 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 but I will say though, he seems to be the only one matching the energy of the original Roadhouse canon. You know what I mean? Like Jake Gyllenhaal is bringing like Oscar vibes to it. It's like Jake, we don't need all that, man. Fucking take I, take it down a step. I mean, he seems like he's in on the joke from that trailer, but but the mo- the original Roadhouse was campy, but like Patrick Swayze played it straight. Right, right, true, true. 
fair enough. I mean, uh, but the, the, the original, like, you know, a, a bouncer at a bar rips a guy's throat out with his bare hands. Like, that's a classic, all-time classic. Yeah, that's not, I I, I don't think that they're going to be doing that in, in this one. And of course, really? I read it's going to be a darker take on the story. It's just like, I hope, I just wish that that phrase would just disappear. <laughs> I know, particularly when in the trailer, he's, you know, he's quipping up a storm. Yeah. Um, also, Great Chillin' oh, Hell's got to be on roids, right? Because he's just absolutely that short. doesn't look that uh, that doesn't look like like a steroid body though. It looks like yeah. HGH. That's what it looks like. Yeah. I think everybody in Hollywood is on HGH or steroids or testosterone. Well, the dude dude who plays Reacher is like, "Yep, I'm on steroid. I'm on testosterone. I, I love it." Respect him for being the only one who's honest about it. Now, now, kids at home, I am not advocating anyone go take testosterone or steroids or HGH. It's really unhealthy. But every, I mean, from people I talk to in Hollywood too, they're like, yes, 98% of like all action people are are on some sort of illicit substance. Hmm. So I respect that he's just like, yes, this this is what I'm doing. And he's upfront. Yeah, it's like, everyone's dude, like, no, look- this is all clean. I'm like, dude, look at your trapezoids or whatever. Dude, he looks like he's made of fucking Legos. <laughs> like, how else are you going to describe that? He says he's 240. I'm like, dude, if that's not like 255, 260, I don't know what is. All right, final thing here. What do you think so far of True Detective season four, Night Country? I think it's excellent so far. Mm. I really Have you, did, did, did you screen these or no? I, I had the screeners, but then I, I just didn't get around to them back in November. So Whoa, uh, holy shit. I'm watching wow. them. I'm watching them. Uh, you know, just just straight up with the with the plebeians. Yeah, same here. Uh, what do you think about the whole season one tie-ins? I mean, to me, I didn't that, know that's that a slippery slope. That is a slippery slope that they're that they're playing. Spoiler alert! I didn't know that that was Travis was his dad until I read it. I'm like, how the hell are we supposed to know that? And I had just rewatched season one right before it premiered. Well, so. she says Travis Cole. Does she? Fiona Shaw. She says one last gift from Travis Cole. I'm I'm I must have missed the last name somehow because I was and like, there's the spiral. Out of leuke- leukemia, but like I okay, so I missed that. But yeah, I, the spiral, the tuttle. Um, it, I think it's a fine line. So if they bring in like Matthew McConaughey for the last episode, that could either be incredibly sick or suck up all the oxygen in the room. If they, I don't to- even think that's on the table though. Do you? Probably not. Probably not. But you know, you never know. And yeah, stranger things about this. Yeah, exactly. If they just want to keep peppering in references without overdoing it, like maybe there's one more throughout the whole season. I'm totally cool with that. I really don't think it's distracting. And frankly, we, we live in a world in which most of the fandom likes these little Easter eggs. I don't think- I think they're going past that point though. These are like explicit plot points. Yeah, I'm saying it. Well, I, listen, if they're going to go past that, then I think Matthew, Maddie Mick is on the table. Uh-huh. I've got no- And it's not like they're like sprinkling it in there. I feel like it's very- heavy-handed like we're only on episode two and they've referenced season one three different ways three glasses of whiskey yeah oh yeah i i i don't even know the one that i just threw up there. no germans would be like I, you know I, I got nothing on this guy is he's this guy at, even from earth <laughs> just for everyone watching uh, listening he's, he's putting up like west side as his three fingers <laughs> um but yeah i think i think uh true True Detective is, it speaks to the inherent and simplistic appeal of a police procedural mashed with spooky vibes. Like the, those two just form this perfect concoction of entertainment that basically anytime it pops up, you know, the best season of True Detective since the first one was a show called The Outsider, but it's basically the same thing. You know what I mean? So like, anytime- that's not, honestly, that's a great call. And so anytime they do that shit and do it well, I'm there. So 
I am here for the more leaning into the super super natural elements. I uh, put out a meme the first time I saw it would be in like, you know, the memes of um, Winnie the Pooh where he's wearing like a tux and he looks all fancy. Yeah. It's like me seeing that. It's like, ah, yes. 30 days of night. Classic. Because <laughs> like is that that's the first thing I thought of when I when, oh, that's I, funny. when you I make some up. good memes, Eric. You've always been real nice with the memes. But it's so like when you combine true detective I just don't think they're gonna go full supernatural. I think they're gonna keep it with this like bubbling undercurrent, but it's gonna be very understated. Yeah. But just the idea of like mashing it with that whole 30 days of night setting is like one of those Eureka kind of light bulb. Moments, and that's why, and that's why the Russ Cole season one tie-ins have thrown me for a loop. Because my theory had long been that uh, Issa Lopez, I think, who made this show, probably just wrote some kind of detective show, and then HBO was like, "Hey, can we slap the branding on it?" But because, go ahead. No, I I agree, and like we obviously have to take it at face value. I mean, we obviously have to take it with a grain of salt. I was at a you know an HBO event a few months ago where she where she spoke and she said like you know that they approached her because they liked the the indie movies that she had done and she was like you know I love true detective as a fan I've got zero ideas and she said like she she stewed on it for a couple months and came back with like changing the setting to this whether or not this is true whether this is it it, it it absolutely could be a reverse engineered screenplay that she's like I'm going to retrofit this to true detective she said she, you know, she stewed it up after they came to her to talk about True Day. Gotcha. But, okay. but truly, who knows? Because in Hollywood, I feel like everyone's always doing cool narratives and everything. Not, not that I'm accusing Issa Lopez of anything. She was so wonderful, so smart, so funny, so cool. And she also said something that I've like since used in other conversations. And I think she really nails it. She says, movies to me are beautiful, sexy love affairs. And television shows to me are deep, connected relationships. Mm. I was like... Oh yeah, that's, that's really that. good. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. really good. So I'm I'm definitely a fan of of what she's doing. I have no like you said, I have no idea where it came from. I could see absolutely, you know, her her having something else done and then saying this will work. And I can also see her just coming up with it after you know thinking on yeah. it. And then finally, I guess just Jodie Foster, fantastic, just so this good to see her having a good you know calendar year. Or yeah, for real. I uh, have you seen. Nyad, has anybody on earth seen that movie? I, I think I'm one of like the eleven people who's seen Nyad. It's solid. It's solid. Her her and um Annette Benning were were very good in it. But yeah, you know, it's like it's like a a good sports story kind of. All right. That's gonna do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us at the Post Credit Podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media anywhere at Post Credit Pod. Follow my boy Brandon at great underscore catsby and the work he does at Parrot Analytics. Follow myself at What's my at? Oh, at Eric underscore Ital. Uh, we will be back, like I said, next week, I think, with an interview with Matthew Vaughn. Also, All right, y'all. throw Eric some love for the new uh, logo and icon that he that he created after a couple of years. It's very cool. Very oh, nice modernization. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I, I still think I was just like, uh, I was like, I'm fucking tired of this logo. I just got up one day and changed it. And dude, it's dope. It's fresh. It looks. That clean. is what happens when you have an. ADD brain like mine, you could just make choices like out of the clear blue sky. I love that. Like your neurons are firing randomly. It's like, oh, I'm going to do this today. Yeah, exactly. All right, y'all. We will talk to you. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius.